Good morning. How are y'all doing? Everyone's good? Good, 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 good. Well, here we are. It's the middle of September, and I'm kind of bummed because you know that uh, that means that summer's over. We talked a little bit about this last week, and I love summer, but uh, I, I, I do have a cause for celebration, and no, it's not that the hockey season's upon us, although that is good, but I do have another reason for celebrating, and I'm not going to ask you to guess what it is, because you'll never guess. You'll never guess. So I'll just tell you. It was almost seven years ago exactly to the day that we moved to Lowell, Indiana. Seven years ago. And you know, yeah, not many people are excited about that, but I am. <laughs> you know, but, but time has gone really quickly. It honestly has. But I still vividly remember how it is we came to be living in Lowell, Indiana. It was a curious journey, and if I've shared this with you guys before, indulge me. But it was a curious journey that began with us selling our house in Illinois, and many reasons for that. We won't get into that right now. But we put it on the market, and it sold really quickly. So quickly that we hadn't even had a chance to start looking for a new home. Now, we knew we wanted to live in Indiana, but we didn't know exactly where. So we needed a stopgap, right? We needed a place to live in the interim. Well, thankfully, our realtor had a house that he'd been trying to sell for a number of years. It was in Beecher, and the owner was willing to rent it to us pretty inexpensively and on a month-to-month -month basis. So we had a plan. Well, two weeks before we closed on the house in Illinois, I get a call from our realtor. The house that we were going to rent sold. No longer available. Two weeks from closing. So we go into this wild scramble mode and start looking for a rental, you know, anywhere. And I found a number of them, but they were ridiculously expensive. And nobody wanted to do anything less than a one-year lease. Well, that was definitely not going to work for us. And to make a really long story somewhat shorter, three my boxes and two large storage lockers later, and yes, I began to wonder how in the world we accumulated that much stuff, but three my boxes and two storage lockers later, we moved into my niece and her husband's basement. And yes, it was as bad as it sounds. We were living in their basement. But you know, this it worked. It worked. It was a place to live. And we went about looking for a home. Now, we knew exactly what we wanted in a house. And we started looking in the Munster and the Dyer area. We were serving a church in Hammond at the time. So from a logistics standpoint, this made a lot of sense. But we couldn't find the house. So we kept looking, and our, our, our search extended to St. John and then Crown Point. Eventually, we started looking in Cedar Lake, and then our realtor one day suggested, you guys should look in Lowell. And I'm like, 
Lowell, where is that? And, and honestly, I very vividly remember the first time we drove out here. I mean, we had to stop three times for gas, and we were looking for a hotel on the way. Okay, it wasn't that bad, but I just remember thinking that we're at the edge of the earth. But you know what? The Lord works in mysterious ways. And we found the house. We found the house, and we found it right here in Lowell. Well, that was seven years ago, and we've been thrilled ever since. Maybe you guys aren't, but we are. But see, it wasn't our plan. That wasn't our plan. But the Lord works in mysterious ways. Now, much of what I remember from that that wonderful journey is playing the when-then game. Guys familiar with the when-then game? Yeah, the when-then game goes kind of like this. You know, when we sell this house in Illinois, then we can enjoy the idea of moving. You know, when we find a place to rent, then we can relax and enjoy looking for a new home. When we finally get out of this basement, then I can begin to enjoy my life again. When we finally get settled into our home, I can relax and enjoy. This was a really stressful time. It really was. And in the midst of all the stress and the uncertainty, friends, there was very little joy. See, we had made a lot of plans, but none of them seemed to be coming to fruition. You ever play that when-then game? You know, looking forward to a time, waiting for some certain event, and after that takes place, then you can enjoy When the kids are finally out of diapers, then I can relax and begin to enjoy life again. When I finally get out of high school, or or when I finally finish college, then I can get on with my life and begin to enjoy it. When I get that new job or that new promotion, start making the big bucks, then I can really start to enjoy my life. When I move into that new house, when I get that new car, when the kids are done with college or, or, or if they're just out of the house, when I finally retire, then I can find the joy that has been missing all along. Friends, if we're not careful, we may just when then our lives away and really miss out on something good. Well, today we begin a series of messages that I pray, friends, I pray will help us to live a joy-filled life. We're going to spend a few weeks dissecting Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And this letter that we know as the book of Philippians, it's actually one of the most quoted and most memorized books in the Bible. Probably because it is one of the most uplifting letters Paul ever wrote. And I'm guessing that as we move through the book, you're going to be surprised at how familiar some of the passages may be. You know, ooh, I've heard that, but I didn't know that was in Philippians. One of the themes, one of the themes that we see running throughout this book is that of joy. As one commentator puts it, 
Joy is the music that runs through the epistle, the sunshine that spreads over it. The whole epistle radiates joy and contentment. And friends, as, as, as believers in God, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be some of the most joyful people in the entire world. People should constantly be coming up to us and asking us, what is the source of your joy? Does that describe us? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it depends on the day, right? But the truth is this, friends. There is no worldly grief or trouble that should be able to diminish gospel joy. No worldly grief or trouble should be able to diminish gospel joy. We should be filled with joy. But here's what I want us to remember, okay? And that is joy and happiness. We can't confuse those two because they are not the same. Talked a little bit about this in the past. Happiness is dependent on our circumstances. You know, when things are going well, you know, the bank accounts flush, when life is easy, we're happy, right? We're happy when all the things that we're planning and have planned are coming to fruition. But see, joy is different. Joy is different. Joy is an approach to life. It's not a reaction to it. Joy is a way of looking at and living life that's not dependent on your circumstances. Chuck Swindoll gives some great insight here. He calls joy a positive attitude we choose to express. And friends, that is one of the things that we know about joy, right? We know that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Living a joy-filled life doesn't depend on you know, whether or not we get that promotion. It doesn't wait for some future event. Joy does not play the when-then game. But you know, neither does joy pretend like everything's always perfect, like everything's great. But make no mistake, joy is a choice that we make. We can choose joy. Because the other thing that we know about joy, friends, is that joy is a person. Joy is Christ. Joy stems from the confidence that we have in the promises of Jesus, in the promises of God, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. He's always in control, no matter our circumstances. And of course, friends, there's joy in the gospel. There's joy in the truth that Jesus died for our sins so that we may live with him forever. Having never had, having to worry about the, the trouble and the grief in this world ever again. Friends, that is a joy-filled life. And that is the joy that we can all have in Christ. Now today we're going to look at the opening verses of this book of Philippians. So if you want to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, that's where we're going to start. 
We're going to look at the first 11 verses. Now, we are going to reference Acts chapter 16 as well, because Acts 16 has a lot of background information about how Paul came to Philippi and some of the things that happened to him there. I'm not sure we'll read from Acts chapter 16, but if you want to kind of bookmark that and flip back and forth, you can do that. But what we're going to see is what joy looks like on this journey we call life, because there is joy in the journey. So this church at Philippi, this was a special church for Paul. This was the first church that he'd established in Europe. And Paul sent this letter some 10 years later to encourage the Philippians to live committed to God and committed to one another. And as we read through this, there's a few things that I want us to really focus on, to focus on. So let's get started. Starting at verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul begins this letter in typical Pauline fashion. He begins with a greeting from he and Timothy. Now, Paul had met Timothy on his second missionary journey when Paul came to Lystra. Paul was, or Timothy was from Lystra, and Timothy was very well thought of in Lystra, and eventually Paul asked Timothy to accompany him on his second missionary journey. We read about that at the very beginning of Acts chapter 16. But at the writing of this letter, it's now 10 years after the church was established, and Paul is in prison. He's in Rome, and he's in prison. Now, Timothy is with Paul. Timothy's not under arrest, but Paul is. Yet Paul still has joy. How? How? I mean, clearly he wasn't reacting to his circumstances. I mean, he was in prison. He was chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. He actually faced the potential for execution. That would make anyone unhappy. But Paul chooses joy. And friends, I have no doubt that he was meditating on Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And I think I'm going to make this our memory verse for this series. I know how much you guys love to do this. But this one's going to be really easy. Because Nehemiah 8, 10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. I know you guys can memorize that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So Paul goes on to give the Philippians this, this standard early Christian greeting of grace and peace. And then he says, I thank God in all my remembrance. Now, I want to stop and talk a little bit about the focus of Paul's remembrance. What was the focus of his remembrance? Well, it could have been about all that had happened to him in Philippi. 
And in Acts chapter 16, we read about Paul in Philippi and a lot of the things that happened to him. And one of the stories we find there in Acts chapter 16 is that of a slave girl who had this spirit. She had the gift of fortune telling. And for some reason, she kept harassing Paul and Silas, probably to keep them from preaching the gospel. But this went on day after day to the point where Paul had enough. And one day he said, by Christ Jesus, I say, come out. And the spirit left her. But you know, these people that were making money from her divinations, yeah, this didn't sit well with them. And they became angry. They became angry. I mean, this was the source of their income. She was their cash cow. Now, completely useless. So they complained. They complained to the magistrate there at Lystra. And Paul and Silas were beaten with whips and thrown in jail. So they're sitting there in prison, right? Their backs torn open from these whips, torn open from the scourging, legs in these, in these irons that were designed to make the legs cramp. So they're very uncomfortable, obviously. And at midnight, at midnight, what do they start doing? They start complaining, right? No, no, no. Oh, they start cursing their captors. No, what do they do? They start praying and singing hymns and praising God. They've been wrongfully arrested. They've been beaten and imprisoned really for doing good. And they react to their circumstances by choosing joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And the rest of that prison story is great, you know, where the Philippian jailer comes to Christ. But we're going to stop here for a second because I want to examine Paul's focus. Because it wasn't on the bad things that happened to him, right? It wasn't on the imprisonment. It wasn't on the beatings. And, and it would have been easy to focus on the negative, right? You know, Paul could have wrote this letter. Yeah, I remember, you know, <laughs> the, the way I was treated in Philippi, I was ridiculous. I was beaten. I was thrown in, in prison unjustly. But Paul doesn't do that. What does he focus on? Paul focuses on the good. He focuses on the good. And he prays for the Philippians. And he prays with joy. Joy because of their partnership in the gospel. They were united in Christ. They were all in it together, right? Spreading the good news about Jesus. And that brought Paul, joy. And friends, that's who we are. That's who we are here at Hope Church. We are saints. We are saints as Paul addresses us in verse 1. We are saints in Christ. We're in this together. We're partners in that very same gospel that Paul partnered with the Philippians. Community, friends. We are made for that kind of community. We are made for community and focused on our mission. What's our mission? Honor God by loving our neighbors, sharing the gospel, and caring for each other. It's right there on the wall. See, if we don't, if we don't, what what kind of... uh, what kind of a testimony is that, right? 
you know, yeah, yeah, my life is really pretty miserable and got all these bad things happening to me, all the stuff that I want to do I can't do, you know, but maybe you should check out this Jesus guy, you know, he's pretty cool. Does that sound joy-filled to you? No, listen to what Jesus has done for me. Yeah, my life isn't perfect and I face challenges, but listen to what Jesus has done for me. That's a joy-filled life. Focus on the good. Focus on the good. Choose joy. We also want to focus on God's plan. Listen to what it says in verse 6. It says, I am, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul knew that God works in mysterious ways, right? You think about his conversion, you think about many things, he knew this probably better than most. We see it in how he came to be in Philippi in the first place. It's another story that we find in Acts chapter 16. So Paul had a plan, right? His plan after leaving Lystra with Timothy was to move south and west and preach the gospel in Asia. That sounds like a pretty good plan, right? But in verse 6 of Acts chapter 16, we read that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit from speaking the word in Asia. Well, that's rather curious, right? I mean, why would the Holy Spirit keep Paul from doing something good? And in the very next verse in Acts chapter 16, it tells us that the Spirit kept them from going to Mysia and Bithynia as well. Now, they don't really explain how the Holy Spirit kept them from going, but it prevented them from going to Asia. So they moved on to Troas. And in Troas, in Troas, Paul has a vision. And in this vision, a man from Macedonia appears and asks Paul to come to Macedonia to help them. So convinced that this is from the Lord, they jump on a boat. And they head to Europe. And that is how Paul ended up at Philippi. My point is this. Paul had a plan. Paul had a plan, and it was a good plan. But God had a different plan. God had a better plan. God had his plan. Now, you think that Paul was frustrated that he couldn't preach the gospel in Asia? Yeah, I'll bet he was. I'll bet he was. Have you ever made a plan? Only to have it be derailed by one re- for one reason or another? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me many times. It's happened to me many times. You know, I shared with you the joy that I had in that process of moving to Indiana, right? But, you know, I've also faced frustrations and detours in my ministry life as well. Because it was about 10 years ago that I had a plan. I had a plan. I felt a call into full-time ministry as a pastor. And it was affirmed. It was affirmed by others. So I made my plan. 
and I studied, and I prepared to become a pastor, and the plan was right on track. There was an opportunity. And then through an interesting turn of events that we won't get into this morning, this opportunity that I had was gone. This, this great plan that I had, gone. It was a good plan. It was a plan to do good. I was going to preach the gospel. But God said, no. Not here. Not yet. Now, was I happy about that? No. Did I understand what God had planned? No. And I would love to tell you, friends, that I chose joy throughout that entire segment of my life. But that wouldn't be completely honest. Because at times I was frustrated. And if you combine that story with my story of how we came to be in Lowell, and if you kind of layer those timelines, you really start to see a different plan emerging. Now, I didn't have a vision like Paul. And, and friends, do not get me wrong. I'm, I'm not comparing myself to Paul in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, I did get a postcard in the mail shortly after we moved here to Lowell. The postcard said, Hope Church, come and join us on Sunday afternoon for our first worship service. So we did. Nancy and I. And we met some people and, well, here we are today. See, I had a different plan. I had a really good plan. But God's plan was for me to be here today with you guys. And Paul, Paul, he wanted to preach the gospel in Asia. But God's plan was for him to go to Philippi. He was supposed to preach the gospel in Philippi. He was supposed to plant a church and then write a letter so that we could be reading that letter together, you and I, today. Boom! That should blow your mind. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. No matter what is happening in your life, friends, it doesn't matter what's happening the good, the bad, the ugly, remember, it is God's plan and it is what is best for you. And knowing that, you can choose joy. So focus on the good, focus on God's plan, and focus on fellowship. Focus on fellowship. Verses 7 and 8 says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul says, It's right for me to feel this way about you. How does he feel? How does he feel? He's joyful, as it says in verse 4. He's thankful, as it says in verse 3, because the Philippians stood by Paul through his trials and through his imprisonment. Together, they enjoy fellowship in God's grace. 
and in spreading the good news of the gospel. Paul loved the Philippians with the same kind of love that Jesus had for him. Really kind of fulfilling the two greatest commands, right? What are the two greatest commands? Amen, amen. And friends, that is the community that we want to be building here at Hope Church. Fellowship, fellowship in God's grace. Spreading the truth about Jesus Christ and caring for and loving one another. We're all in this together, friends. We're all in this together. And as we focus on fellowship, we will choose joy. We'll choose joy. I want to finish with Paul's prayer that we see in verses 9 through 11. This was Paul's prayer for the Philippians, and he prayed it with joy. He's filled with joy despite his circumstances. He writes this, he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. And really quickly, really quickly, let's just look at three things that Paul prayed for. This is important. The first thing he prayed for is for their love to abound. He prayed for love. And when Paul talks about love, what's he talking about? He's talking about agape, right? He's talking about that sacrificial love, that love that, that gives of itself without asking anything in return, patterned after the love that we experience in the death and resurrection of Christ. And, and that kind of love, friends, is a choice. We choose to love sacrificially just like we choose joy. It's all a choice. It's not a reaction to circumstances. Second thing he prayed for was for knowledge and discernment so that the Philippians could then make good choices. Does that sound familiar at all? It should. We spent just about the whole summer studying that. If you remember, what did Solomon ask for when God said, ask what you will? He asked for wisdom and discernment. He asked for a wise and discerning heart. And, and Paul is praying that very same thing for the Philippians here. And the third thing that he prays is that they would bear the fruit of righteousness. Fruit. Bear fruit that is evidence of their salvation. Exhibiting more and more Christ-like characters. Fruit that is only found in fellowship with Jesus Christ. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's pull this around and go full circle here. 
What's the fruit of the Spirit? What's the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus? Fruit that we bear. Now it's right there in Galatians chapter 5, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Love is number one, obviously. But joy, friends, is number two. And that is not a coincidence. That is not a mistake. We can live joy-filled lives in Christ. In Christ. Focus on the good. Focus on God's plan. And focus on fellowship. Choose joy. And my prayer for us today at Hope Church, friends, it is the same prayer that Paul prayed for the Philippians. And we should be praying this for one another as well, without ceasing. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you, Lord. And I pray, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that they may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that great joy that comes only through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.